like to thank you all today for coming out. If you came from the Chardon Leroy area, <laughs> no true story before we start. Thank you, Skip. True story was I was looking at the forecast and I showed this to someone yesterday and it showed four inches for all of northeastern Ohio. Over my house, I swear, over my house, it was 12 inches. It was just this dot. I don't even know how that happens, and I'm praying that they're wrong, but happy spring, everyone, and I'm glad you're here. Uh, Last week, we were talking about offense. I told you that we would be doing a series on offense, and then I laughed at myself because there are plenty of Saturday night rewrites on things because I just know God wants to take it a different direction. So I listen. But here we are, week two of offense. I want to talk this week about those people. Oh, those people. Yeah, you're all laughing because you're not thinking of yourself. You're thinking of someone else right now. We all have those people and just like they have a way of getting to us. Uh, Those people can be challenging, critical, controlling, They can be arrogant. They can be really mean. See it when you have family. I was thinking we'll talk more about that. You especially see it when you have family get-togethers. Those people are in families. And if you're thinking, I can't identify that person in my family, then you're that person. (laughs) There you are. So I would like to do a how-to today. And what's wild, I was looking for graphics, and so the first how-to that I pulled up, it was this slide, a Coke can shooting a laser into an iPhone. have no clue what that was about, but I'm going to look that up later under how-to. But I want to answer this question. How do we deal with those people in a way that honors who God made them and who God is? As Christians, we're called to love. We are called to walk in love, I say a lot to the staff, to some of our admins, to people I talk to, ministry is really diplomacy a lot of times. That's what ministry is. You know, you can walk into situations that may feel hostile, and how are you going to be God's diplomat in that situation? Your walk as a Christian, it's the same. It is a walk of diplomacy so many times. Last week, we were talking about the fact that there's so much tension in this world, and that tension can lead you to a place where you can feel offense. But, oh man, as often and have noticed, when people use the word offended, there is often an anger component that is put with that. You ever notice that? There's this, maybe not a yelling kind of anger, but maybe like that whisper, slow cry kind of anger. Like, there's anger that's involved with it. You see it a lot of times. If you're here today and you're the kind of person that's easily frustrated, often angry, if you find yourself offended, listen to this. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4 gives us the how-to. going to break it down today. Starting in verse 26 of Ephesians 4, Paul says this, In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. He continues by saying, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Only that which is helpful for building up of others according to their needs. This one stings. Here's the three. And if you have mastered these three, then just hang with the rest of us today as we try. In your anger, don't sin. 
Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil a foothold. Give me that slide of anger. If you have a child, you've probably watched this movie 734 times. I don't talk about Bruno at my It's a bit. Um, in life, you're going to get angry. It's true. This will happen. You often hear people say, you know, it makes my Irish blood boil. Your whatever, if it's your Italian blood, your Irish blood, your Croatian blood, whatever Ancestry.com blood you've got, your blood will boil at times as a Christian. I do not, as a pastor, recommend anyone walking around angry all the time. Don't recommend it. According to this passage, you can be angry and it not be a sin. It's what you do with that anger that decides it. This is a tough one. Again, on offense... Disclaimer, I will probably offend you in the next couple of weeks, so just hang on. If you interact with any humans today, there's a chance that you will be in a situation where you could take offense. Now notice, I didn't say where you could be offended because I truly believe that offended at a deep level many times is a choice for us. We can be in a situation where we could feel offense. When it comes to being offended, there is simply no win in choosing to stay offended. There's no win in it. Some of us here are very competitive, but there's no win even for them. I've never found in my life that I have grown closer to my wife when we dwell on all the things that we're angry about. And let's just talk about all that hasn't happened. Our anniversary. Hey, you know, let's go out for a romantic dinner and let's just talk about all the things we're angry about. <laughs> I'm using the candle to set the curtains on fire and stuff, getting kicked out. I have never dwelled on angry thoughts and felt closer to God. It's true. When you dabble in offense, you will end up living in offense. I don't want to dabble in it. Paul's aware of that when he tells us this, giving us this guidebook of how we can deal with offense. If you hold on to anger, if you nurture the offense, if you replay the hurt in your life, what you are doing, according to this, is you are giving Satan, the father of lies, the prince of darkness, you are giving him what the scripture calls a foothold. Hmm. So I'm reading, getting into the Greek words here. When I think of foothold, the first thing that comes to my mind is this. Give me that slide of the climbing. I'm thinking of a climbing foothold. I'm thinking of when people do ice climbing and they've got those ice axes. And there are times that they will just carve out a place for it. And I'm thinking, this would be great. This is the direction I'm going to go, right? So you're spending your time when God's got you going, saying, go this way. But you're going over this wall and you're carving out a hole for the, the next thing. I'm thinking, oh, take a step higher. Yeah, well, that's not where he told me to go. The next thing, I'm thinking, oh, a, a foothold. I have read some things that are like a foothold. It's like when you go into a room and someone sticks their foot in the door and you're trying to close it. Oh, and the way it works is this. And you're on the other side of the door. And all the enemy has to do is just keep his foot in the door and you can't close it. And it's up to you to lean on that door with all your might. And at the point when you stop leaning, that's when the enemy can come in like a flood. Thinking, oh, this is good. That's how I'm going to go. No, no. It goes a little bit deeper. When you get in the word and you look up what some of these words mean, God will sometimes turn what you thought it was going to be on its head. 
The Greek word here, one translation is opportunity. Don't give the devil an opportunity. Mental picture that comes to me, there's this squirrel who I have adopted who lives outside and he eats from my bird feeder on a regular basis. At first I was angry. He would get on the branch and he would eat all the bird seed and he would nap while he looked at me. Bothered me. And there were days after he ate all the bird food when he would come to the front door to remind me that he no longer had it. And one day we were doing something here in the church. And I heard Kim yell out, whoa, squirrel. Like the squirrel was going to come right in the church. You know, and some people be like, oh, it's a squirrel. It's cute. Yeah, it'd be really cute during worship, the squirrel leaping on the chandeliers, right? You've seen Christmas vacation. You know how this is going to go. You don't give opportunity. The devil's not going to come to you. He is not going to come at you and be like, hey, can I interest you in total destruction? He's going to come at you and he is going to present it in a small way. Hey, what's the big deal? Just a friendly rodent. What's the big deal? You will end up in a place you never saw it going. Another word that's associated with this, it means a place or a room. So when it says, do not give place to the devil in some versions. You know what I'm reminded of? I'm reminded of the man cave. You know what the man cave is. The man cave is that spot where, like, whoever is the eternal Browns fan, like, you still got your Manziel jersey up, you still got, like, you're holding out, you've got your Dale Earnhardt Jr. stand-up that you got from the convenience store. You have a man cave. It is a place where it may be a spare bedroom, it may be a spot in the basement, it may be in the detached garage. You may have that impressive three-point buck mount shot up there and everyone's like what is that is it a puppy you know how it works and the wife will say you get this room but this nonsense does not come out into the living room this you understand this spiritually speaking we can get that way we can think we can. So what this says, I am giving a space to the devil. So I can just say to the devil, well, devil, you know, I'm going to give you this space because it would just be more convenient than all this spiritual warfare stuff. You just, you have this space, but you don't come out in the rest of the house. Okay, devil? There is no bargaining with him. There is there's none of this compartmentalized kind of thing. You do not give him a place. Imagine, like at my house, we have a room, a playroom where the dolls and things are supposed to stay. The other night, I come home, been a long day. I wanted to watch Nacho Libre. I come down in the basement. I turn on the light. There were like 30 American Girl dolls just staring at me, their soulless eyes, just like all, it was like a Stephen King movie, right? <laughs> it didn't stay where we said it should stay. This happens, but we think we can make deals. Imagine, you're like, I like this floor and tie. Imagine as a realtor, people were looking at a house, and you're showing to them, and you're like, I like this floor plan, but we're going to need a space for the devil. Ty, she'd be like, getting, I'm praying for you. I'm putting you on a prayer list at my church. I can hear it right now. But in a literal sense, this is what it says we're doing when we give in to anger. 
We are going in our home that I don't have enough space already for things, I feel like, and we're taking a room and we're clearing it out. And we're saying, devil, this is for you. Have you ever noticed, gentlemen, have you ever noticed when your wife's angry, when she cleans, you just stay out of her way? You know, earlier about that, you know, I'm really sorry. Yeah, I'm fine. And you're saying, she's fine. She's fine. Just let her vacuum. When you are angry, you may clear spaces out in your house. Don't clear one out for the enemy. It allows him to use a space that was supposed to be a space of refuge and of peace to do harm. And what's wild about it, he will operate out of that space and do harm not only to you and your family, but to others. Don't allow it. Don't let it be there. I don't want to give the enemy access to anything that is important to me. I don't want him to feed off of my sense of offense. I don't want to walk around saying there are things that are wrong in this world and God's telling me to take peace into that situation, but I want to take anger. I don't want him to have access to my marriage, to my church. I want there to be division. I don't want there to be division within this church. I don't want us walking in a way where each one of us gets this box where we just keep dysfunctioning. We're like, no, I mean, we're like 95% functional, but we just, we keep things in this box and we all bring our box in on Sunday and it's just real awkward, right? Like get rid of the box, get rid of what's in there. Whatever we think we've got to hold on to, whose rules are we playing by? By God's rules or by the enemy's rules? It says in God's word, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. That's in Romans 13, 14. Do not give a foothold emphasizes that you and I have a choice in the matter. Make the God choice. Before I move on, here's a better one. Here's a mental picture for some of you. How about this? No. No, I'm just going to bring cockroaches to one room in your house. I've talked to them. I've said, cockroaches, you stay here. Do you think they will? Oh, there's your mental picture. Keep that with you for a minute. We'll just leave it up. Some of you are squirming, I know. They're palmetto bugs down south. If we believe that as adopted sons and daughters of the all-powerful God, that we have been a group of young men the other night, time to begin walking in that authority. I met with a group of young men the other night. That was our topic. This idea of taking authority, I'm going to go there more in a second. Let me just back up. It says in verse 26, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Notice how it started. It starts with anger, but when you let that grow for a while, it becomes wrath. It becomes things like malice. It becomes ugly. The longer it marinates, the stronger it gets. But... The Bible tells us not to close our eyes on that day angry. This is tough. I mean, honestly, how many of us here don't like conflict? If you do, don't raise your hand because it's weird. But if you don't like conflict, so many times we will go to bed and we'll be like, honestly, I'm praying for him, but maybe you should call him. Maybe you should address it. Because the key here is that 
Healing is available in the same day that the hurt happened. That can only happen through God. There is no a person that you have owned a bunch of hurts thinking that you aren't worthy to even address a person that you have a grievance with. No, you have a place at the table. You do it God's way. And it's in God's hands. When I was young, there was that song, The Devil is a Sly Old Fox. My mom had a cassette tape of me singing that when I was little. If I could catch him, I'd put him in a box, lock the door, and throw away the key for all the tricks he's played on me. I was watching a show the other night, and it was about a prison, and people who would go into the prison, chaplains and such, it was very strict what you could take into the prison. The reason that it was so strict is because in that type of environment, anything could have been used as a weapon. Anything. Things that we think are just run-of-the-mill, like it may not be harmful, it could have really been used to do harm. And I think of it in these terms, that if we truly believe that we have authority over the devil, if from a young age I thought that we could take him, put him in a box, and throw away the key, I don't think that's changed. And why should we operate according to the rules that he sets out when he doesn't get a say in what it says in 1 Peter 5? He's our adversary, it says in 1 Peter 5, 8. He has crafted elaborate wiles, it says in Ephesians 6, 11. He has devices that he wants to use against us, 2 Corinthians 2, 11. But Romans 13, 14 tells us to put on the Lord Jesus. I remember in the Rocky movie, Apollo came out, and Apollo had those trunks on, real American, his American trunks on. Unfortunately, Apollo lost his fight, but I'm telling you, I know I can turn to you, Dom, because you felt this when you saw it too. When Rocky came out wearing Apollo's trunks, were you not like, yes! Almost getting kicked out of the theater. When you put on Jesus Christ, like you get psyched up. Like something changes in the script. It is about him now. Pastor Craig Rochelle, he said this. If there were a meeting in hell and you had the forces of evil bringing forward ideas how to keep the church from going where it needs to go, he said there would be three D's of destruction. The first one would be to divide. If people of God apart, people can divide, divide friends, bring as much division as you can, then you can thwart where the people are going to go. I say that because it creeps in in small ways. Want some examples? Maybe not, but here they are. Can't you just see him on a dryer? Good Lord. Politics. Good Lord. Racial division. You have talked to people in this church and you have seen their heart rate increase and them get red in the face over some subjects. You've seen it. And nobody's even arguing with them. Like you just, you say the 
the words, the hot button words, the issues, and they're just like, and I'm like, what's happening? Like, you can turn into Hulk or what? Like, what's going on with you? Before long, if you allow division to have a place, a regular place in your heart, it will destroy friendships. It will cause you to say, yeah, at church, I just, I try to go out a, a different door. I, I don't talk to them really anymore. It just isn't working. Don't allow division to be the thing that the devil puts before you that dangles like it's a better path. When Christians are united, they're unstoppable. Do you not think the enemy knows that? He wants to divide. United we stand, divided we fall. We don't want to be in a place where we are divided. The second thing is distraction. Distract them from their mission. Get them arguing about anything in culture. Any. Here's one. Arguing amongst themselves. Get them arguing at the dinner table. Anything in culture. Here's one. The enemy would be like, here's the plan. I will distract them into boycotting the business of the week. I'm just being real. There was a time when I was young where I felt like in church I got yelled at for whatever I was drinking that day, like coffee from wherever, you were boycotting there. I'm like, I didn't know. <laughs> like, where's that donut from? And I'd tell them, I'd be scared at a certain point. I'd be like, I don't. Like the boycott thing. I get the idea behind it sometimes, but I think that our anger leads. And it's not a righteous cause. Like, we could be right. But we're so angry that no one sees the righteousness in it. Keep them complaining. I can see them in the board meeting. Netflix. Keep them complaining about Netflix. Distract. Distract. And I'm not saying that there aren't things that aren't worthy of us being angry about and doing something about. But when we are just simmering and going from boycott to boycott or thing to thing, where's Jesus? Where is he in that? And then we set ourselves up because we need the love of Jesus, hate. And in the end, they don't see the love of Jesus. And I don't want to get to heaven and stand before him. And him say, here are 647 situations where I just needed you to show love. Maybe not even open your mouth, just show love. And here is where you blew up thinking you were doing me a favor. Once things get going, can't you just see another evil hand go up in the room and then say, you know what? We really need to utilize social media. We need a good amount of conspiracy theories going around. Be sure to circulate those videos amongst the church. Let's get them comparing their lives to other people in their highly filtered lives. Let's have them thinking that happiness looks like this picture that they took 647 times just to get the right one. Let's distract them from the joy that's in Jesus. Distraction. The third thing, let's get them to discredit their witness. Oh, man. Again, remember that part when I said I may offend you? Don't mean it. I'm speaking at me more than I'm speaking to anyone else. It would be relatively easy to do at times. Critical, judgmental, keep them focused on what they're against 
keep them angry, critical, judgmental, keep them self-centered, get people to operate from self-righteousness because then they won't try to win souls if we just keep all this mess circulating. No one will listen to someone who's overflowing with anger. Keep them there. Let them think that there are times that it's okay to go off on your kid's teacher. Let them think that it's okay to go off on the subway manager because you definitely said no pickles. Let them go off on the rental car person who's just trying to work that day and can't help that there are no cars in the lot. Let them go off on the barista. I said the pink drink with boba. Get their eyes off Jesus and they will discredit the cause. But see, when the Bible tells us to suit up because of those wiles, the game changes. I'm telling you, if you walked in today, Jamie, if you walked in wearing a full suit of armor today, I guarantee people would be like, You, you walk different. You'd have to walk different. Are we in situations when we enter the room? And not in a cocky way, but like, whoa, whoa, suit of armor. Are we in that place? Just before the Great Commission is given, and I'm going to close. Jesus says this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It's time for us to walk in authority. It's time for us to understand the authority that has been entrusted to us. Matthew 18, 18 says, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You are not a passive bystander in this walk. Whoever has tried to convince you of such, they're not right. You are an active participant in the plan of extending God's kingdom here on this earth. You have been commissioned. You have been set forth. You have been deputized. 1 Peter 2.9 tells us that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that we may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness and into his glorious light. It is take authority time. When we met the other night and we were with the men who were there, we were talking about the fact that as men with, it just wouldn't. If someone tried to break in my house, it would not go well. It just wouldn't. I am not down with that. I am not going to allow the enemy to take up residence in my house and have a room. I am not going to allow the things of the past to dictate how much the enemy gets now. It's time as a church, and I say right now, especially as the men of God in the room, to take authority, to walk in authority. Here's something. Guys, do you know what the most attractive thing is? Like she was saying, number one, duck boots. But number two, it is walking in your authority in Jesus. That is the truth. When a woman sees a man walking confidently, oh my gosh. It's like olive oil with Popeye. She's like, my sweetheart. <laughs> and so in this moment, what I'd ask is that you stand. And what I want to do is this. I would like you. Yeah, go ahead. You can stand. It's all right. You're good. 
We need to think of some areas in your life, in your home, that you need to take authority over. Right? Like, imagine that. If we took God's word at in the will of God, stood that when we speak in authority over things, in the will of God, what happens? And more so when we speak it in agreement in this house. So which things do you say I cannot abide by anymore? When it comes to what the enemy has thrown at your home. We were talking the other night. I'm just kind of tired of the word anxiety coming up in my home. Understand that I'm not saying that that's not a real thing. Please. If you've experienced it, yikes. But what I'm tired of doing is I'm tired of allowing the enemy to hold that over our heads. When my daughter experiences that, like if you're a dad, you know, your daughter comes home from school and she's crying. Did a boy make you cry? I've got the keys. I'm ready to jump in the car, right? How much more so in a spiritual sense? We need to take authority over our homes. If you are here, if you are here in this house and you are carrying the spiritual weight in your home, speak in authority. And you speak. If you're not carrying it, it's time to pick it up. Let's bow our heads and you speak over the situation in your home. Father, right now, I bring before you all the nonsense that the enemy has tried to write into the script to tell us this is just how it's going to be and we're going to be reactive to it. In the name of Jesus, I speak in a binding and loosing way and what we do is we bind right now the enemy and his plans. We bundle them up and we're going to set them out beside the road like rubbish because I am done with that. Right now, I speak against any depression, any anxiety that has just ruled in homes and caused it to go a certain way for a while. Father, I pray for breakthrough in those areas. Those things are as real as anything at times, but I know that you are greater. Clear out the space in our home that belongs to hope and to future. No longer does the enemy get his place. In the name of Jesus, I speak it. Amen.